the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. To put Jesus to death. The trials themselves, the six trials, they're a sham, as you're going to see. It's, it's just a formality that they're going. They've already made their decision. They're going to kill him. They're just trying to find a way to do it now that has some semblance of legitimacy. But it's all just a big sham. Have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Your response is probably to defend yourself, right? Well, Jesus was wrongly accused in the trials leading up to his death on the cross. He didn't fight back. In today's message, Pastor Dan reminds you that Jesus is in control. The things that happened unjustly to him are all part of God's plan of redemption. It's only because Jesus chose to die on the cross that you have an opportunity to experience grace, forgiveness, and salvation in your life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 18 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 18, we left off at verse 12, where it says, Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? 
Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, remember that from last week, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So in our our last study together last week, Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and now we begin our look at the trials of Jesus. Jesus had not just one trial. He actually had a total of six separate trials, all in one night. The trials of Jesus really had two phases to them. First, there was the trial before the religious authorities, and then there was the trial before the civil authorities or the Roman authorities. He, he had three trials before the religious authorities, and then he had three trials before the civil uh, authorities. And today we're going to look at the three trials before the religious authorities. And that would be his trial before Annas, his trial before Caiaphas, and then finally his trial before the, the ruling body of the Jewish people called the San. The trial before the Sanhedrin was really the only official trial of Jesus. The the trial before Annas and the trial before Caiaphas, they they were unofficial trials. And all of the religious trials were illegal. There were so many violations of their own laws in these trials that we'll point out a little bit along the way as we go. The purpose of the religious trials were to establish a religious charge against Jesus. When they take him to Pilate and then the the civil trials begin, then they're going to have to create a political charge against him. So right now, before the religious leaders and the religious leaders and rulers, their focus is on a, a religious charge against Jesus. Again, verse 12 Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. We talked about this last week, that detachment of troops plus the temple police that arrested Jesus numbered in excess of 600 soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. And remember from last week when they showed up in Gethsemane, Jesus stepped forward to them and said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, to which Jesus said, I am. And when he said, I am, all those soldiers fell over onto the ground. Remember that? They all fell down just at the words of Jesus, just by Jesus declaring 
his name as I am, which is the Old Testament name of God. And when Jesus said, I am, they all fell over. I don't know if they're going to have video recordings in heaven, but I hope they have a recording of that. There's several things in the Bible that I read it and I think, I hope they have that on video in heaven when we get there. And this is one of those things. To see all those troops fall over in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then I love after that, Jesus said, who did you say you were seeking again? You know, as they're picking themselves up off the ground. And so we see in his arrest that Jesus, uh, you know, he, he overpowered the soldiers with just his words by simply saying his name. So when verse 12 says the troops arrested Jesus and bound him, we know Jesus allowed them to arrest him and bound him. It's not that they took Jesus into custody. He gave himself up willingly, voluntarily. He handed himself over to the, the soldiers that were wanting to arrest him. The Bible says that Jesus gave himself for us. He gave his life for us as a ransom for us. He laid down his life as a substitutionary sacrifice for us, for our sins, to redeem us from sin and death. And he, he did that voluntarily, and we see that here in his arrest. No one takes his life from him. He gives his life voluntarily. He gives his life and he can take his life up again, which he does in the resurrection. But we'll get there. We'll get there soon. So after they arrested Jesus and bound him, verse 13 says, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. So after they arrested Jesus and took him into custody, verse 13 tells us they brought him to Annas, and Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the high priest that year. Let me just give you some background about Annas and Caiaphas because this can seem a little confusing to us. According to the law of Moses, the high priest had a lifetime appointment, kind of like the Supreme Court justice in our own system. And so the high priest had a lifetime appointment. They served until death. But the Roman Empire was in charge at this time. And the Roman Empire, they made the high priest's office a political appointment that the Romans appointed. And the high priest really served the Romans. And so they took the high priest's office away from the Jewish people. They made it a political appointment that they appointed and they controlled. Annas was appointed by the Romans as high priest in about 6 or 7 AD, but then the Romans removed him as high priest in 15 AD. And they replaced him with one of his sons. And actually, five of his sons served as high priest. And then after that, they appointed his son-in-law, Caiaphas, to be high priest. So these are all just political appointments at this point. Those who will best serve the interests of the Roman Empire. So Annas had been high priest, but he was no longer high priest. Now his son-in-law Caiaphas served or held the office of high priest. But Annas was the high priest the Jewish people 
recognized. He was the most influential. He was the most powerful religious leader in Israel. The most powerful religious figure in that day. Even though he was no longer the official high priest, he was still in charge over everything at the temple. And the Jewish people saw him as their high priest and not so much Caiaphas. Caiaphas was a political appointment. Annas was their high priest. And he was in charge of everything at the temple. You remember they had money changers and those who sold sacrifices in the temple courts. Remember that? Annas was in charge of all of that. He ran that. In fact, that marketplace in the temple courts was called the Market of Annas. It was known as the Market of Annas. And so he was the one who oversaw all of that. All of the money that was made through that market in the temple courts, it all flowed to Annas. Twice, Jesus disrupted his business in the temple courts, going in and turning over the tables and chasing out the money changers and those who bought and sold in the temple. So Annas, I would guess, probably has a little bit of a grudge against Jesus. And so Jesus was brought to Annas first because of Annas's power and authority over Judaism. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. So, now look at the text again, verse 14. We're reminded that it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. That's back in chapter 11, verses 49 to 52, that Caiaphas said it's more expedient for Jesus to die for the people. And so verse 14 reminds us that the religious authorities already determined the verdict before the trial. They've already determined the verdict. You know, they're just seeking a way to put Jesus to death. The trials themselves, the six trials, they're a sham, as you're going to see. It's, it's just a formality that they're going through. They've already made their decision. They're going to kill him. They're just trying to find a way to do it now that has some semblance of legitimacy. But it's all just a big sham. Verse 15, we have Simon Peter. And it says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Most scholars believe that was John, the Apostle John, who wrote this, uh, this gospel. And so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest. He had a relationship with the high priest somehow. We don't know how. 
and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Now back in chapter 13, which is earlier in the same night, it's, you know, it's this earlier in the night, Jesus said to his disciples, I will be with you a little while longer, and where I am going, you cannot come. To which Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Why can't we come with you? Jesus answered and said, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said, Lord, why, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And what's interesting about what Jesus says there, the rooster's going to crow, will not crow until you've denied me three times, is in Jerusalem, they actually did not allow roosters. They didn't allow chickens to be in the city. So for him to say, no, the rooster will crow. I'm sure in Peter's mind, he's thinking, well, there's no roosters here. It's never going to happen. It's like when pigs fly, you know, kind of thing. So back in chapter 13, Jesus told Peter where he is going. Peter cannot follow him. What is Peter doing in verse 15? He's following Jesus. He's following Jesus. Peter is not supposed to be following Jesus right now. So Peter is going somewhere he's not supposed to go. And guess what's going to happen? He's going to get himself into some trouble. You know, when you go somewhere you're not supposed to go, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can get yourself into some trouble. When you're going places you shouldn't be going, or you're around people you shouldn't be hanging around, well, you'll be tempted to deny Jesus. You'll just be in a situation where it's hard to speak up for Jesus. And that's what happens to Peter. Look what happens here, verse 17. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Now, remember earlier in the night, Peter said he would die for Jesus. Now he's denying that he even knows Jesus. And, And not denying that he knows Jesus to some big soldier who's got a sword and is threatening. It's a young servant girl who's working the door. And he denies that he knows Jesus to this young girl. And look at her question carefully. I think it's, it's interesting here. That word also indicates she knew the other disciple that was with Peter was also a follower of Jesus. Right? She says, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? She knows the other disciple that's there. We don't know who it is. We believe it's John. She knows that he is a disciple of Jesus. And yet Peter still denies him. It's not like Peter's on his own, you know, behind enemy lines. The other disciple's not ashamed of being a disciple. And yet Peter still denies that he knows the Lord. Again, she says in verse 17, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? Now, in in the Greek, the tone of this is, is kind of like, oh no, are you another one? Are you another one of those disciples? Are you another disciple of, of Jesus like your friend here? Maybe Peter was caught off guard by the question. Maybe he wasn't expecting it. Sometimes that happens. Somebody, you know, you just, you just not, you're, ready, you're not ready for it. And so she, he says, no, no, I'm not. 
But again, there's another disciple there, and he's, he's not ashamed of being a disciple. And then verse 18, Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold. It's probably March or April. It's cold. They built a fire and they warmed themselves. And what does Peter do? Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So now Peter warms himself at the enemy's fire and he's just trying to blend in with them. Just trying to blend in with the crowd and go unnoticed here. Just kind of standing there, you know, thinking maybe hey, if I just blend in here, I keep my mouth shut, no one will know that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know what that's called? That's called putting your lamp under a bushel basket. Hiding your light. Or he's just trying to blend in. Nobody knows that he's a follower of Jesus. He doesn't want to open his mouth and give it away that he's a follower of Jesus. And if he can just kind of blend in with the enemy, and that's what he's trying to do. He's, he's hiding his light instead of letting his light shine before men so that they might glorify our Father in heaven. I would say it's hard to stand up for Jesus when you're warming yourself at the enemy's fire and trying to blend in. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Don't team up with unbelievers. Light and darkness can't dwell together. You are the light of the world. You can't dwell with darkness. You can't dwell with darkness. James chapter 4 says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You can't cozy up to the world and blend in with the world and stand up for Jesus at the same time. You will have to compromise your witness for Jesus Christ to blend in and fit in with the world. This world is not our home. We're not supposed to fit in here. So don't try to fit in here. Because to do that, you're going to have to hide your light. And you're going to have to compromise who you are and Christ to fit in. Now, we go back to the story of the high priest Annas and Jesus. So you have kind of these parallel stories side by side here. You've got the story of Peter out in the courtyard by the fire. And you've got Jesus inside the palace with the high priest Annas at this point. Verse 19, the high priest Annas then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Now, Annas basically says, tell us who you're associated with, give us their names so we can incriminate them, and tell us what you taught so we can incriminate you. That's his first question. Now, just to give you some background here, according to the Jewish law, the judicial law, defendant could not be condemned on the basis of their own testimony alone. A defendant was not required to, uh, to testify on their own behalf and incriminate them, themselves. Sort of like the, pleading the Fifth Amendment, like how we have in our own legal system. What the normal procedure and the normal protocol would be is the high priest would call witnesses to testify against the defendant. And the high priest would have to provide at least two witnesses who can testify against the defendant. That was the duty of the high priest, to bring forth witnesses to testify against Jesus, not question Jesus. That's the protocol. He asked me how I know, and I 
You've been listening to Pastor Dan Sexton at Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more from this series in the Gospel of John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on Media. There you'll have access to our entire library of Pastor Dan's messages. You're welcome to listen to online and download for free to share with friends and family. That website one more time is calvaryec.com. Before we close our time with you, we'd like to ask you something. Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please, pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Thank you for taking the time to pray. How can we be praying for you during this study in John? We'd be honored to do that. Please contact us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We'd like to meet you, too. Join us at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, and you can find all the information you need at calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. Feel free to read ahead in John before joining Pastor Dan next time, right here on Ring of Truth. Rings true.